Hey, Wonderfuls, welcome to episode 384 of the JV Club with my guest and friend, Baron Vaughn. I have known Baron for many years, and it has been so fun and wonderful to see his star just rise and rise and rise. I am so grateful to those of you who were able to join up for Max Fun. I want to remind you that you can always become a member, whether or not it's the drive or not, but we're not here to talk about Max Fun Drive because that was last week. And four glorious weeks in total, and you are all wonderful, and we love you. So I'm excited for you to dive into this episode with this boy of summer. And I am recording this, actually, a few days early because my sweet and wonderful producer, Julian, is going to be off this week after Max Fun Drive for, I can only assume, a much-needed vacation. He works so hard, and I could not be more appreciative of him. I also could not be more appreciative of Chris Royce, who... Who, uh, as I have said in the past, was a listener who became a friend, who became a coworker. He now runs. Uh, he designed and built the JVClub.org, which is a beautiful website. If you haven't had a chance to visit, I strongly encourage you to do so. I go. I use it. Like I use it as a resource all the time. I'm like, who was it? Remember when I? And he's done such an amazing job. And uh, he also runs the JV Club Twitter, which is is the JV at the JV club and he is wonderful and I think there are many of you who are listeners who know that um, I love talking to you and I love getting to know you and uh, in many cases it has been so fun to build uh, deeper relationships with you whether it's collaborating on work stuff or uh, just keeping in touch via friendships. Um, I shout out to Shannon, who <laughs> who has really become the sort of like Diana to my Anne. Uh, uh, never, we've never met. We've never met. We are pen pals. Uh, she is a listener to the show. That is how I know her at all. Um, you, yeah, you're all the best. That's all. Listen to this episode. I'm getting out of here. I hear this drink uh, uh, stirring a little bit, and I apologize if that's the case. I did hear. What's what are you stirring? Me, Janet? Oh, you know <laughs> me. Uh, well, first of all, the trouble. Am I right? That's what I'm stirring oh, up. Oh, big time. Secondly, big a time. homemade iced oat milk latte <gasps> with vanilla, like a like a like a vanilla extract, like from a little bottle of. Something of a vanilla, no. I guess. Would vanilla be the vanilla syrup. Out of. Oh yes, mm-hmm. wonderful. Um, uh, which I think is sometimes made of extract, depending on the syrup. <laughs> and is it a warm latte on this oh, uh, no, no, toasty no. day? Or Iced, is it, yeah. Oat milk vanilla latte. Yes. Beautiful, beautiful. Uh, I that sounds very tasty. Um, I I do feel like uh, I'm a person who's had more than one conversation about how delightful oat milk is. Um, I'm not sure that's a good thing. I think it might be the opposite of a good thing, but well, I do like an oat milk. I'm just waiting for the time where somebody comes forward with the the research of like, it turns out oat milk is killing your grandma. You know, it's, there's always something. Yes, yes. You're like, this is good. This is a great alternative to what we were doing. Yes. Nope, it was worse. And then they yeah. so on and so forth with soy, then almond. Oats next. But at this point, like, all of those small things seem so cute. Like, <laughs> oh, 
Oh, what's so cute? We found out that oat milk's deadly, but like it's been a it's been a year. So it's been a bit of a year. Um, it's been a weird. So year. I guess it just yeah. seems sweet and cute that you could just, just hey, it's simple. But hey, stop drinking oat milk. You know, you're like, actually we, fig- we figured it out. You you're know? actually speaking to one of what I am. I am quickly learning is becoming one of my favorite things about learning history, American history, world history. Right? Every yeah. country in the world, obviously, has had very significant events whether they be literal revolutions or inventions or wars but right before that that thing happens that big thing that changed everything forever that's my favorite period that's that's the period of every country becoming their worst and their pettiest (laughs) usually that's right it's like if you think about what we were doing before say 9-11 it's adorable what we were concerned about Where everything, everything was court TV. It was just post OJ, you know, sex scandals. And maybe they got murdered and maybe they blah. It's like, isn't this crazy? And then 9-11 happens. It's like, what were we doing? Why were we looking at that? Yeah, absolutely. I think that's, I I, want to say, I mean, I guess it's a big fancy French term for something that ostensibly you could argue is happening in mini or maxi versions all over, to your point, in different countries all the time. Uh, Yes. But it's a a real fin de siècle sort of scenario. What does that mean? Which is, you know, it's like, um, it's it's sort of the end of an era, like, you know, the, the... you know, yes. this is this was the twenties before World War One, or this was the. I, that's probably not true because World War One may have been going on before the twenties. I should go. Um, I should go learn no, no, anything. No. But, but again, <laughs> this is all I've been doing the last couple of years. So it's like I, I feel like the last couple of years has been. I feel like I've just turned into an old man. Like I'm just like. Yeah. I feel like there's an age where you at some point go. All right. What really happened during that civil war? Let's see That's what, right. let's see That's what right. Ken Burns had to say. That's and it's right. just, I just want to learn about history for real, like not what I learned in school anymore and all. Of, for sure. But like, but also like, yeah. do, you, do are you a person who felt like you remembered that much about what you learned in school? Because I yes. did not. And, and I'm not a, and I'm not a stupid person, but I certainly was like learning to test, I think. See, and I was the opposite. I love learning i've always liked learning i would i would have been a good student if i cared i did not care Mm -hmm. for homework i did not care i was i was that kid that's kind of like not that kid who's like are we gonna need to know this i was that kid that was like excuse me yes is there a point uh to regurgitating (laughs) everything you told us back to you right that was that kid yeah you know i'm just kind of like I get it. I debate in class and, and make good conversations. I was I refused to do homework politically and ended up being a straight B student. But the thing is, um, now I'm like, I've always liked learning. I just never liked homework. So like learning about history and stuff like that. Because even like World War One, which you just mentioned, right? Yeah. It's interesting to know. And of course, it's always like there's a breaking point. Every country has... Because we don't know what's going on in every single damn country in the world. And then at some point, there's a breaking point. And that's when all... So apocalypse means... I don't believe of apocalypse, about apocalypse in like the biblical sense. Like the skies will open and demons will shit in your mouth. That whole thing. (laughs) 
that's not what I believe. I believe apocalypse is supposed to mean revelation, the unveiling, all will be revealed. Right. And any horrible, significant global crisis is in some sense an apocalypse. So it's like all of the dirty politics, corruption, or whatever the hell was happening in each of those countries before World War I was put on the table. Same with World War II, same with the Civil War, all these secrets, all these backdoor deals and all this crap comes to the surface and that's what's definitely happening right now yeah oh for sure that yeah absolutely the most surface we've ever experienced <laughs> i can't believe i said i'm still reeling over saying that the 20s had anything to do with world war one listen people were bouncing back if i recall world war one was in the teens but uh <laughs> and then we moved into Oh, World War II. I think it was like 1918 or something. Yeah, you're um, right. You're right. 14 to 18. Uh, but uh, uh, but yeah, no, you're right. I mean, every, nothing has felt, in, in our lifetime anyway, nothing has felt so raw and on the surface in such a profound way than, mm -hmm. than the last, this last year and, you know, to a certain degree, the last several years. Um, but, but I, and, and, and I'm finding, I think I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to see your interest in history because I feel that way as well. And I'm going to raise it a, like, suddenly I only want to listen to audiobooks that are set in the turn of the century. <laughs> like, mm. all of a sudden I want, all of a sudden I'm a big historical fiction fan. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and and it's, it's so transparent. Like, the idea of, like, wanting to listen to an Agatha Christie murder mystery. Guys, don't worry. I do know that she did not write in the turn of the century. But... Uh, that, like wanting to read something like by Wilkie Collins or, you know, or somewhat something that was written in, you know, the 90s, but is set in 1904. Um, all of a sudden it feels very safe to like, you know, be be listening to people getting into horses and carriages on their way to try to solve a, a murder of an adorable street urchin in turn of the century New York. It feels very like, oh, no, you know, listen, this already happened. This fictitious <laughs> thing that never happened is way behind me. So I don't have to be afraid of it. Everything's going to be just fine. And isn't uh, it cool how they used to have those buses that were also drawn, uh, that, that were also run by horses? Like that's, that, yeah, there, yeah. there's something happening where I'm, I'm like the cliche of all cliches. I'm, I'm really enjoying hearkening back. Like, I remember someone saying that they enjoyed historical fiction when I was much younger, that that was sort of like the kind of book they liked to read. And I remember thinking like, oh, you're an old person trapped in a young person's body. Hmm. Um, well, what is the... But now I'm just an old person trapped in a middle-aged person's body. <laughs> or... What an accomplishment. You could just say, you're Janet. Uh, That's right. You, you, no judgment. But, you know, you. the thing is, and this is fascinating to me, by the way, I... I I'm a, I'm, I'm a big hidden messages kind of person, not like conspiracy theorist, but like it all connects, bro, kind of, you know, sur yeah. sur surfing the wave of pollen into my nose. I don't even know what that means. <laughs> I just, uh, I'm having some allergies today, so pollen's on my mind. Literally, it probably, I breathed it in. It's in there. It's settled. A dust has settled <laughs> on top of your brain. On that frontal lobe, a flower. Yeah. The bees in my brain. But, you know, right. I'm curious because... It's, you say the word safe. First of all, just a quick aside. It's funny that you <laughs> you have almost like a almost like a like a, a tick in which you you have to you're like guys. I know that I know that World War II didn't happen during. The, I know. Like, I'll guys, never. I'm going to be trying to recover from that. 
I know. I'm going to be trying to recover from that as if it's the most important thing I've ever done wrong well, for that, the rest of this conversation. That's the, that's, the, that's the voice of a person who's been fact-checked and corrected too many damn times. Uh, it's like, you get me. Your dangling participle showing or whatever, you know. <laughs> that's what people do to you. Um, that's right. But I see you, your historical fiction in which you call, quote unquote, safe. Mm-hmm. And I raise you. I, I'm, I'm such a big, fat theater person, and I'm becoming more and more, uh, less and less ashamed of it. I was going to say more and more less ashamed. I just wanted, <laughs> I just wanted to piss off whoever it is that you're saying, guys. I know Agatha yeah, Christie. I great. know when she was alive. <laughs> um, so I'm becoming less and less ashamed about it because I've learned. So, it sounds it sounds so hack to say, but I've learned so much from because when you historical fiction, there's something about thinking about who these people were and not just. The important events we saw in a book on this date. Yes, that, yes. This happened. And Bring then, it to life for me. Yes. And, Bring and it to life. There's something interesting about that. That's why we like biopics. That's why we like historical movies anyway. So, yeah. and in a historical, you know, fiction in terms of like a novel or something like that, then these people can go really deep, you know? I mean, isn't that freaking Gore yeah. Vidal? That's his whole thing. That's his whole thing. So it's like, I'm curious because you say it's safe, but in a sense, especially when you're learning about the manners, because I think the biggest thing that stands out to me are the things that remain relevant, are the right. truths you might learn about how people behavior, I mean, behave or make a decision that you're like, oh my God, that's still, ha- that's a, this is a hundred years ago this was written and that still right. applies. So my question to you is, what are those things, Janet, that you see when you listen to what you say is safe that you think still apply gosh what do i think still applies i mean i because i because i'm also you're right i mean wanting it to wanting it to feel alive and wanting to feel wanting it to feel relatable is certainly a thing that makes sense but uh, you know the safe part comes from you know like look at how look at yeah i guess it is a sort of like look at how the worry of this time was this new big thing or this terrible disaster of a thing, which, you know, no one's saying it wasn't, mm-hmm. but but the idea that there's that there is an other side to it, that, you know, that there is this sort of could be uh, what feels like an apocalypse or, you know, is on some level. And then there's something on the other side of that that isn't catastrophic, you know? Mm-hmm. Now, I see um, I see your historical ki- your historical fiction. <laughs> Yeah, and yeah, I, I, I enjoy, I enjoy your, that. When, 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 I forget when Agatha Christie actually was. Was she? She was more thirties, wasn't she? Yeah, I think she was thirties and forties. She wrote plays as well. So between World War One and the thirties is one of my favorite TV shows. It's called Peaky Blinders on Netflix. I've never watched Peaky Blinders. Now the thing about that show, I don't want to get, <laughs> I don't want to get too damn deep about it. But it's a perfect example of what you're saying being done well, I think. Yeah. Because okay. you, you're, you're following these characters. Now, I've only seen the pilot of Downton Abbey. Have you seen that? Yeah, I watched Downton Abbey. I've only seen the pilot. But the whole thing is, oh, my God, the Titanic sank. That's how this whole show starts, is that they're all waking up like, 
I forgot. Well, wasn't Jan on that? You know, like, uh-huh. and then suddenly <laughs> all of these people that were in line for these titles and deeds and shit are dead. And that's yeah. what the whole point of that show is, is that people are suddenly getting shit that they weren't supposed to have. Right. Yeah. And I was like, cool. Now, Peaky Blinders is similar. Right. In a, in a sense, it takes place after the end of World War One. In which all these people, these Brits in Birmingham, served together, and it's they're almost—it's like they're bonded because of this war in a way in which the laws of their own land no longer apply to them, and that's why everyone is crooked. They—they they had to play a game between countries, so now it's like a gangster, a policeman. We all want to make money. Let's just shut the fuck up, and and when I kill someone, just hide it. Kind of a thing. <laughs> kind of a thing. Yep. 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 So they become this this band of brothers to to borrow a war movie phrase. But I guess I'm just thinking about like it's all about resources. <laughs> That's what I always come back yeah. to. No, it's true. Can I ask one very rudimentary question? Yes, please. Is there a character named Peaky Blinders? No, no, no. The Peaky Blinders. Okay, that's good news. That's good news. <laughs> <laughs> really good. Do you want to know what that means or do you want to wait? Is it a real spoiler for me to find out? No, not really. Okay. It's the name of their gang. Oh, uh, why did you tell me? I wanted to be surprised. What? did you, I thought you said you wanted to hear it. I'm totally kidding. The idea oh, that I would want to be God. surprised by the gang's name. I can't see your face, Janet, and you're a very, very good sad. voice actor. I know. <laughs> I, I'm, very, I'm, very, I'm very sorry I'm so skillful. I just can't. I couldn't. I can't apologize enough for how skillful I am. Uh, the other, the other, uh, I also, I mentioned Wilkie Collins. Um, I listened to this audiobook that. Now, um, I'll say I'm not, the, I'm not familiar with Wilkie Collins. I wasn't at all either, but um, this podcast criminal has uh, the, the creator and host named Phoebe Judge uh, decided during the uh, pandemic to also offer a free podcast in which she reads a chapter a day of a sort of classic oh, mystery. Awesome. So, I think she started with uh, Pro Row. So, you know, we got, I, I, I think. Uh, but then she did um, the, uh, she, a, a book called The Moonstone by some guy named Wilkie Collins that I had oh. never really heard of. And then I, and then it turns out he was like a really good friend of Charles Dickens. And, but I really liked it. It was very funny. Um, and it sort of had that Dickensian, like, you know, sort of seeing ahead of, like, he was very progressive for his time. And so there was a lot of, you know, him sort of, revealing his leanings towards like socialism and you know sort of the 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 upper class being preposterous yeah um he's got nestled into these these mysteries so i listened to this one called the woman in white that Mm -hmm. sir ian holm uh narrated and i became oh my god he and i had just finished listening to it i think he was waiting to die for me to have finished his <laughs> previously re- previously recorded he was, decades he earlier was book, so it makes sense. <laughs> uh, but he, speaking of theater, I want to take it back to mm-hmm. your uh, un- unapologetic love of theater. He is. This is such a cliche to talk about, also, but like th- those Shakespearean trained British actors. Mm-hmm. I mean, when you really take apart some of the stuff that he is saying in the mm-hmm. book in terms of the amount of commitment mm-hmm. that he gives to each word mm-hmm. it's ridiculous mm-hmm. but it's so wonderful yeah i yeah. really hate that i can't do that but i feel like it's very specific to like a certain kind of training but he kind of there's a lot of like 
whispering, like when he gets to a point where something is really, it's not to be believed. Uh, including him saying, because it is a sort of, you know, eerie mystery, the title of the book gets said and he actually, it actually, you know, there's a, I, I sort of was walking around while I was listening to it for, for days. I was walking around trying to work in a way to end every sentence. Yeah. Like, and what before my eyes should appear? But the woman in white! Uh, because that's really, he does this like stage whisper, like his, he's gripping something yeah, yeah. and his eyes are wide and he's, and it is so, oh, that's beautiful. It, it does the, it does that wonderful thing of like tickling me and making me laugh so hard, yet also giving me the goosebumps that he is hoping it will give you. Like to be able to sort of be in and out of the moment at, Interesting. At, at, and both are delightful. I just can't get enough of it. You know, back when I was in New York, I used to hear a lot of New York actors, especially older ones, because it was pre-podcasts, right? But people had books on tape. So sometimes these actors, especially if they actually were in the industry in which they read books on tape, they discussed who's really good at it. And sometimes it was people they know, and they'd be like, oh, did you hear Jim Cummings on the new one, blah, 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 you know, or whatever, or Jim Dale or somebody, I forget the guy's name, but... I always heard legends about Ben Kingsley. They, they, oh, I've I'm always sure heard legends about Ben Kingsley never getting notes. That he walks in there and he reads it, and it's like, you know, he's like, like anybody gets notes. It's like, it's like right. yeah, can yeah. You do that a little faster or a little slower or yeah, uh, yeah. You swallowed the B when you said B, right? Um, but. I just heard the, I always used to hear these stories about like, oh man, because apparently I haven't heard of his books on tape, but you know, he's got that power too. Oh, but sure. like they were talking about like, oh man, I always heard he got no notes. Like a producer, a friend of mine was there and they were like, they were just floored with everything he brought. And I, I, and it makes sense because it is part of the training of a Shakespearean actor because all these people you're talking about are RADA people, right? Royal Academy of Dramatic Art. And so... The, the, the kind of training that they do in terms of Shakespeare, which I'm, I'm very familiar with. <laughs> Indeed. It, it, teaches, it teaches a care for words that yeah. is unlike anything I have ever, because, the th- because Shakespeare invented so many words. So crazy. So it's like this, this feeling that this audience that's there to hear this play has literally never heard these words before they they know the pieces of it but then it's like you're introducing a turn of phrase i mean you've seen comedians or musicians or rappers put together a bunch of things into a new Mm -hmm. phrase and it just it it, it captures you and you go whoa what a perfect way yes yes that's how shakespeare was all of the sentences of it like that can I say that I now suddenly really wish that you were teaching Shakespeare to young people? <laughs> You'd be so good at it. No, it is one of my plans. I think that I, I think that Shakespeare is mistaught in general across the world, um, especially yeah. in English speaking language. I don't think people. I think the British teach teach and do Shakespeare worse than anyone else. It's <laughs> not even a That's joke. Great. There's brilliant, yeah, no, no, of no, course, no. I there's mean, totally. 10% of them are really good at it, and the other 90 are like, well, I got the accent, and they are horrible. Okay, we're going to take a break. I will be back after a word from our wonderful buddies at Maximum Fun. Ah. <sighs> 
There's nothing quite like sailing in the calm international waters on my ship, the SS Biopic. Avast! It's actually pronounced biopic. No, you dingus! It's biopic! Who the hell says that? It's biopic! Because it's the, the words word for biography and picture. If you... All right, that is enough. Ahoy! I'm Dave Holmes. I am the host of the rebooted podcast formerly known as International Waters, designed to resolve petty but persistent arguments like this. How? By pitting two teams of opinionated comedians against each other with trivia and improv games, of course. Winner takes home the right to be right. What podcast be this? It's called Troubled Waters, where we disagree to disagree! Were you a theater nerd in in high school? Was that a thing that you did give a damn about? Janet, I went to a performing arts high school. Okay, I would have put my white gloves on if I knew (laughs) (laughs) we were gonna be. I was gonna be speaking to royalty. (laughs) Well, I am a baron. Oh, that's true. God damn it, Janet. (laughs) Thou noosed titles were involved. (laughs) Um, I went to performing arts high school in Las Vegas, Nevada, which is where I grew up. Wait, hold on. Everything's changed. I'm actually going to put my white gloves back in the drawer. You Um, should, because things are about (laughs) to get dirty. Mm, You're going to get caught up with sand on second thought. Take the gloves out. You better protect your hands. Oh, you're so right. My gloves are back on. What were you going to ask Janet, though? Uh, Well, I was asking... Well, I mean, listen, it's clear to me that you were a theater nerd as you did go to a performing arts high school in the theater capital of the United States, (laughs) Las Vegas, Nevada. Vegas is not the... uh, Yeah, yes. (laughs) When people come to Vegas, they're like, ah, Vegas, you can smell the theater in here. That's right. You have not seen Hamlet until you've seen it at a buffet. Yes, done by showgirls. Because they let you eat ham while you're watching Hamlet. To beef or not to beef. See? All right, I'm so sorry. See how we just invented a new hotel with a very special feature? I'm telling you, for Um, 20 years, that's exactly how hotels were invented. With the conversation that went exactly like we Yeah, hey, wouldn't it be funny if that's it? We're going to do it. It's going to be... It will. There will be a pirate ship in the front. Ah, um, yes. No. Yes. No, what? Yes. Uh, w- w- how was it? Was it a good school? Did it have money? I guess that's a good question. Was it a yeah. public school that had money because because Nevada does okay or? Well, okay. There's a lot of different elements to it. I mean, one. When I went there, it was only three years old. So when I was a freshman, the group of seniors oh no maybe it wasn't the group of seniors yeah when I was a sophomore the group of seniors that graduated when I was a sophomore were the first group of people who went all to this high school all for all four years Mm, okay um I don't remember exactly how it started or how it happened or why it existed but it was okay now they have a lot more money than I than we had when I was going there, when it was kind of being invented still. Um, right. The quality of of stuff that we were doing was pretty good. I mean, I think that, like, as far as community theater in Vegas went, like, our high school could compete with, with that level of quality, of level of production and performance. But that's... Yeah. But I'm talking about community theater, not professional theater. And, of course, a lot of kids or dancers or singers or musicians that went to my high school 
have gone on to have very fruitful careers in all different aspects of the industry. But like, it was very strange because first of all, it's Vegas and Vegas is a horrible place. (laughs) The worst place to grow up. Um, Whatever happens in Vegas stays in Vegas in the brains of children who watched all these mofos come there and do it in my backyard. So um, I'm like, oh, wow, that's disgusting. I'll always remember. But um, but it was it was a really interesting environment and very different than the rest of Vegas. Cause Vegas is a relatively conservative place, even though it's relatively diverse, but like, I mean that like people are very homophobic, you know, or very, at least when I was growing up. And so I went to a high school, which I think is very unusual for most people where it was actually not only was it okay to be gay, it was cool to be gay. I went to yeah. the only high school where, where kids who were definitely only straight would say they were bi-curious to be become popular. I went to the yeah. only high school in America. Now that's normal. <laughs> but when yeah. I, I no, was totally. going to high school. Um, so it's kind of like being amongst these this group of sometimes well uh, very talented kids who could all do things in very different ways. And we were all, we had a language for this stuff that a lot of kids do not have. And then I went to theater school. I went to Boston University to study acting. All that said, it's kind of ridiculous. <laughs> the end. It was all kind of ridiculous. <laughs> but I'm glad I'm glad that I did it. But I'm only now, as a person who's, you know, middle-aged, starting to understand all these things that I learned from back then. Because when I was 18 and you walk into a a class and someone's like, Hey, you 18 year old, his streetcar named desire makes sense of the most complicated (laughs) shit ever written by, excuse me. You look like you have no life experience. The crucible, (laughs) figure it out. Yes. You, this is the first time you haven't lived in your mother's house. All right. Here's waiting for Godot. Perhaps you'll (laughs) recognize it. By the way, it's Godot. If you've been saying Godot until now, you're out of here. Like, we don't know what the yeah. hell we're talking about. Yeah. That's really true. It's really interesting, isn't it? That's, uh, I think there are some, there are some schools that um, do, I, I guess now, and maybe this is a thing, maybe more now, uh, kind of to your point about what, about the other stuff too, with like theater schools and stuff, um, that they focus more on like age appropriate sort of, you know, well, this is your, t- now we're, we're going to do these plays that are like these contemporary plays about or like rent or you know contemporary plays which seems like it's all that's all still huge it, huge concept high stuff yeah yeah but yeah. like but like so, stuff that isn't maybe you know that to your point it's like not death of a salesman you know um, well rent rent is about a bunch of queer people who a lot of them are hiv positive or living with aids right that's not yeah. That is a it's a pretty groundbreaking play in the sense that it it normalizes that kind of a life. Right. But in high schools across America where people were still like, we can't talk about this stuff. They were changing rent left and right. But all the kids were obsessed with it. You know, that play is why for a lot of kids that I did know that were gay, that play is why they came out. You know, like that play was like, oh, shit, this is we can sing (laughs) and be on stage. That's yeah, cool. Yeah, absolutely. Anyway. Yeah. Rinse. Well, yeah. And, Solo and that recreation. Way, yeah. I just, there's Which, a. <laughs> well, there's, it has, you know, it just the has edits. a different. The high school it, edits. It, yeah. 
high school edits i bet oh my god i I, my only version of that that i can think of is doing grease and like having to change some words that like you know i don't i don't even remember what they were oh i do what uh rizzo when rizzo sings look at me i'm sandra d lousy with virginity we had to change it to lousy with my purity ah it doesn't even it's not even it's worse yeah (laughs) the lyrics are the lyrics it's saying the exact same thing so you haven't really changed anything except made it clunkier (laughs) yeah i remember chorus line there's a song called tits and ass sure and i didn't know that for a long time i thought the song was called this and that because that's what (laughs) That's what I heard in high school. This and that. And when I saw the movie, and I was like, whoa, they really Hollywooded that song. I thought it was this and that. They just made it really obvious. Oh, God, that's great. That's great. Were you known as the sort, like, did you have sort of a thing that you were especially good at or did, or that everyone knew you were passionate about within the realm of the performing arts high school? Was it like, oh, you know, Baron, Baron, you, well, if we're doing this, we got to get Baron to be blah, blah, blah. Or, or were you sort of a jack of all trades? I, I, I fashioned myself a jack of all trades because I was trying, I was finding a reason to be involved in any production that was happening in some way, even if I wasn't in cast, you know, yeah. I was like, I'll, I'll come and just work on the set or I'll stage manage or I'll, you know, coach scenes or, you know, I just wanted to be involved somehow, but yeah. I became known as the master of like, walk-ons like (laughs) i i I didn't get i never got cast in a lead until my senior year but they always put me in some interesting ass weird supporting role so i could do like an established bit that would break the tension of whatever the hell was it like i could come out and go like blah 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 blah, you know do what sometimes i had literally one line sometimes it was like i remember i remember a lot of different plays like there's a play called The Foreigner. Have you ever heard of this play? Heard of, never read. There's a whole thing in the end of it where the clan comes in. And Ooh. exactly. And the director of the play thought it would be interesting oh, sure. if all the clansmen were played by black people. Like that we, because you wouldn't see our skin. You would just see right. that we're in these hoods. And then there would be one point where somebody goes, white power. And that was me. So I, I I was like, I literally did a black power fist and went, white power. And it got the most insane laugh because people were like, wait a minute, there's a, what the hell? Because when we came on the stage, people gasped. They didn't know that like, yeah. oh shit, there's like clans people in this play? I thought this was a comedy. <laughs> and then when I go, white power, and people were like, oh my God. But that's... <laughs> I don't even know if it's the most problematic thing ever, but like shit like that was the stuff I was doing. Just anything that was the most inappropriate where I could be on stage in any way I was up for it. Uh-huh. <laughs> what did you get to do when, when you were, did get to be a lead in senior year? What did you get to do? I played Fagan and Oliver. There it is. Uh-huh, uh-huh. I bet that was really fun. That's like the Miss Hannigan of Oliver in terms <laughs> of like juicy, funny, weird song, you know, like very character-y. Yes, yes, yes. And I had, I had, I had one solo song and I think that besides all of now there's like a couple characters have solos but like fagin only has one solo and it was like um reviewing the situation that was the name of the song oh sure oh yeah that's a fun song it's very song and it was was very fun and it was like 
it was in high school the closest that I felt to doing stand up because I was on a stage alone with this particular piece and I could get I knew I could like develop laughs in it. I was, you know, yeah. I, I was in high school, you know, so it was as it was as good as I could be as, at that time. But like it was I thought it was my crowning achievement, especially because my little sisters came and it was like I got to like steal the show and then my little sisters were like wanted to give, you know, they were like, ah, oh, brother, my brother, you're so and I, that was like the best thing in the world to me. And you were like, you're dead to me. I, I, my family means nothing. I need to meet with my fans. <laughs> get these rough get, fans You off get me. me at home. Yeah, you get me at home. Get these people out of here. I need to talk to these fans. Get out of here, pleb. Uh, what if what if they were like, listen, um, there's just some material in all over that we're going to need to change. Uh, it's instead of got to pick a pocket or two, it's going to be like, got to give a locket or two <laughs> uh, because we don't want to promote stealing. <laughs> we cannot promote crime. Um, so we've decided to promote the opposite of it, which is giving. Uh-huh. <laughs> so got to give a locket or two. The whole we've changed yeah. the plot of Oliver, in which they the entire plot place things. They place lockets in people's pockets. Yeah, uh, and that's what this play is now about. Anyway, what a beautiful, sweet story that would be. I'm angry that that's not <laughs> available to me right hey. now to watch. Well, Dickens was no Wilkie Collins, am I right? <laughs> I'll tell you something. You know what you're not going to see going through the regular crowds like they're just a normal person? It's the woman in white. The woman in white. Oh, that's amazing. You'll never see amazing. the woman in white. I definitely got to listen to that now. Oh, By the way, so this Wilkie Collins stuff reminds me of another thing that I like that, that happened before the pandemic, which is in terms of books, music, movies, all of these things that were unsung or previously unreleased or didn't sell like books that didn't sell in the 60s that were brilliant but because they didn't sell nobody ever reprinted them and then suddenly people are like oh look at this book over here that we never really gave any attention to and these are authors and and you know it's the same with movies and and music and even tv shows where people are like put put the pilot of cop rock up on youtube (laughs) you know like all these legendary shows where we're like we can kind of see Unrele- previously unreleased material where we kind of see those times that they were released or they were written in a new light. Yeah. Where we go like, oh, people were talking about these and that issue then. They were ahead of their time and that's why no one got this. That's been yeah. fascinating. So you're talking about like a contemporary of, of Dickens who a lot of people, I've never heard of that person. Also, it's just a cute name. Who knows? Who knows more than that? Wilkie Collins. Don't want to know anymore. Don't want to be disappointed. Wilkie Collins uh, and the woman in white. Did you? Was it? Was it? Uh, did you have that kind of? Um, this was more true for me in college. The theater scene. Mm-hmm. Um, the theater scene. Please give me a break, Janet. Uh, the 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 theater department was very incestuous um, in kind of a delightful way. Like it was <laughs> incestuous in the sort of way that was, you know, I, I, everybody just kind of ended up dating each other, and and so um, I think in the long run there was just sort of an acceptance of like well i mean yeah you're gonna have to see this person like you know necking yeah i said it uh with someone Mm. else you know because that's you know this is it's very sort of insular and and we like it that way and um uh, there so there was drama but i think pun intended i guess but there was drama but there was also like a sort of acceptance of that was the was your high school like that oh definitely i mean these we're all we're all drama freaks, you know. We 
live to have feelings. <laughs> that's our whole. I'm so embarrassed. That's our whole thing. It's like, oh, what if I get to feel everything all the time? Is, yeah. is basically what drew us to to, to doing this crap. <laughs> so people, some people are are just drama queens where they have to be making up, you know, things or pursuing like difficult situations or whatever so they can always have something to be complaining or talking about and that that you know i mean that's still true today in the profession that we work in um as we as we both yeah. know but like if the incestuous kind of stuff i i didn't really i know it was happening around me but i was very rarely invited that's the way i'll say it oh no what wait, were you dating at all in high school in high school, yeah. I mean, I had two serious girlfriends in high school, basically. I dated some girls in between, but really I had, like, two long for long-term uh, girlfriends. I'm glad you said long-term because um, I don't. I was imagining that they were both just very studious and very serious and humorless. <laughs> <laughs> we only met in the library, so that way... <laughs> So that way, anytime we, we, we decided we wanted to talk, someone would shush-hush. <laughs> No, I guess uh, I dated both yeah. of them for a year and a half. That's that's long in terms of high school. That is long. No, that's very long. Um, and you went? Did you kind of just go one from the other? No. No, there no was judgment. a there was a long in between. There was like a, maybe how, a how mature. Well, it wasn't what I wanted. <laughs> <laughs> no, in high school, you know, I, I don't know. I was never really stressed about being single because I never thought that I would have a girlfriend in the first place. So having had a girlfriend after it didn't work out, which of course I did not take well because I was a yeah. boy in high school. But after that, I was like, well, I, you know, I don't have to have another girlfriend in high school. Like, I've done it. Right, right. That makes <laughs> cool. sense. Cool. A girl liked me and she liked me enough to kiss me. What What else can I, what yeah. else can I ask for? Uh, and, yeah. then I had a, and then I had another girlfriend, luckily. And were they both in the theater department? Uh, yes, they were. Yes, they were. Well, I guess I have to say, wait, so when you say performing arts school, does that mean, because you still were learning other stuff. So it wasn't like, was it like a, a fame type situation? Uh, were you, or, or did you still have like, and then we had math class and then we had. Absolutely. Class. I mean, I it wasn't, know, it wasn't like a, it wasn't a conservatory, you know, Got it was it. just that like the way that we did it is we had eight periods, right? And two of these, of these periods would be your block which meant that whatever your major was theater dance painting you know choir band orchestra german whatever your whatever your right. major was because there was <laughs> foreign language was one of the majors um so on I monday i felt so cool using the term major as a high schooler yes absolutely what's your major uh, i'm majoring in yeah Yes, exactly. Not a lot of high school. And when I talk about high school, I was like, yeah, I majored in theater. And people are like, what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> what are you talking about? Are you an alien in human skin? What do you mean? You've misspoken. Yeah. You've revealed everything majoring <laughs> in high school. Set faces to none. Uh, <laughs> and then they zap me and suddenly I'm like, back at the habit. That's um, right. So that's the dumbest pun I've ever made in my life. <laughs> but, you know, a sister can act. But I, what the heck was I talking about? Oh, yeah. So one, yeah, we'd have math. We'd have all our regular classes. And then Tuesday and Thursdays was odd. One, three, five, seven. Wednesday mm -hmm. yep. and Friday was evens. Two, four, six, eight. So say your seventh and your eighth period were theater. That meant that, that meant that every single day you ended in a theater class. 
Yes. Got it. Um, great major. Uh, <laughs> did you have a sense when you were there that, you know, you say now you sort of talk about the Las Vegas, maybe not being the most fun place to grow up. Did you know that then? Like, did you have a sense of humor about it then and sort of go like, well, once I leave this hellhole? Not really, because the thing about Vegas is that they're there, at least for me, I never had a sense of what Vegas actually was about. And it's such a weird, almost like, because Vegas doesn't really have an identity. But as a, as a high schooler, you can't put your finger on the lack of an identity. Mm. So it wasn't until I became an adult, you know, and had children that I was, that I started to realize like how much I hated, like all these habits and things that I have that came from growing up in a city that was too hot to walk around. And, you know, it just has, has no real sense of community. There's no, I didn't grow up in a place where, you know, you knew your neighbors or anything like that. My mom didn't know any of the parents of kids I went to high school with. Vegas was mm. kind of like that, where it was just everyone was very much separated, and mm-hmm. it, it's a driving culture, horrible traffic. But again, it's a factory town. The factory is the gaming industry, right? And it's just kind of like I look back and I go, "Wow, I hate that." There, there's no, there is. Vegas was made to impersonate every place that has a personality, <laughs> right? It's so true. It's like the talented Mr. Ripley of cities. Oh my God, that's absolutely correct. And there's something sinister about it. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I was Kate Blanchett being like, what the f- what's going on with you, Matt Damon? You know, that's what was happening. Yeah, yeah. I mean, listen, I feel like we've had some major, major revelations. And I'm not just talking about your major of theater in high school. <laughs> have you been, have you gotten into any of the, um, like, oh, I'm actually going to sit six feet six to plus feet apart at some in someone's backyard socializing no yeah me neither really no we're, we're it's just too much of a risk we're supposed to we're all supposedly me and my wife and we're supposedly high risk or whatever she's got really bad asthma oh yeah and so you know we just don't want to take any chances yeah but like so we have gone out for walks you know obviously as we learn more about the virus we adjust accordingly but like, you know, we're not going to lie. I, I don't know. I don't, I don't want to, I don't really care about anybody more. Right. No, no. <laughs> no offense to the rest of the no, world. No, that's the right uh, thing to say. That's the right thing to say. Um, well, listen, I had a barbecue. About 60 people came over. I said, don't wear masks. Um, I'm sorry. You sit. Oh, get the hell out of here. <laughs> man, those COVID parties. Oh, man. Ooh. I'm sad. I'm sad for the death to come. I'm not even sad. I'm sad about the death that's already happened, but I'm sad about the death to come. It's, it's this, is, this is quite horrifying. Um, but what are you supposed to do? And you know what, Janet? Here's my weird little nugget of hope that I keep. Like when I'm talking about all these messed up things that have happened in the world, when we're talking about all these horrible global events, crises, et cetera, et cetera. So much interesting art and comedy, film, plays, books, you know, thinkers come out of each of those eras and that's the thing we have to look forward to is when we are all trying to figure out how to process a world in which this thing just happened right and we're gonna we're already doing that you know like even just this every day 
like even just when we got on with each other and it was like how are you and it's like that how are you used to have an automatic answer of fine i think we just have to accept the disappointed sigh (laughs) as the new by rote knee-jerk responsible uh, response to how are you just like oh and that's just just we should just accept that that's what that's going to be yeah that's the new normal and that's the place where we're going to make some interesting we're going to have some interesting conversations from that place that's right emotionally that's right because you have the sigh is the easiest way also to it's it's open-ended enough that you you sort of i feel like what it's come to contain is are like multiple sentences like the sigh typically i feel that the sigh contains definitely the sentence i mean i'm lucky dot 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 right there's like this like the sigh mm-hmm. the sigh definitely mm-hmm. contains a like look i could it could be look it, it allows you i think to skip past the the other many regular things that we're all saying or that many of us who are right. <laughs> lucky enough to say them say you know well we're okay you know we feel very lucky because you know we're healthy we have you know i what? it's i'm okay like the, all of those things but but also you know you're saying all of those things but also maybe you're not okay even though you know you should be more okay emotionally than other people who are less okay because they have it worse off on some level or other than you you know what i mean like it's just this bundle yeah, that that, yeah. that that the heavy sigh you can sort of actually feel the weight the physical weight of the heaviness ah. of what the sigh has tucked inside it like a pinata of just wonderful candy confusing sadness and hope <laughs> I mean, but that's, yes, exactly. But that's where, that's the, you know, that's where invention happens. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but it's also kind of like, it really is like, we just we contain multitudes. You know what I mean? Yeah. I guess that's it. Yeah. All these things can happen at the same time. Absolutely. And I think that obviously look how much we, we were taking for granted. I think it's, it is important to, to realize that when you are fortunate because that hopefully will motivate you to, you know, create some kind of world where more people can be as fortunate or whatever the hell. Agreed. You know, I'm I'm trying I'm trying to be like inspirational in some kind of way. But, you know, it's in the collective consciousness, it's unhealthy for anybody, regardless of how directly or indirectly, you know, uh, involved they are in everything that's happening. It's just on everyone's minds. That's just the we're we're living in a world of nonstop anxiety. Yeah. Whether it be about this pandemic, whether it be about the state of you know race relations, whether it be about global warming, uh, aka climate change, right? Uh, aka the big hot, you know, yeah. whatever. Just like these things are, they affect us, even if they don't affect us. But it's just kind of like we're all stressed. Yeah. We're all stressed. We're all vibrating. Yeah. And and you know what? That's okay. Yeah. We can't feel good all about everything all the time. And if you do, you're a psychopath. Oh, oh, it's time for a quick break. I will be back after a word from our friends at Maximum Fun. I can't hear I myself, but I'm I assuming. These are real podcast listeners, not actors. Uh, hey, thanks for coming. Here's a list of descriptors. What would you choose to describe the perfect podcast? I mean, vulgarity. Dumb. Definitely dumb. 
and like uh, right here, this one, Meritless. What if I told you there was a podcast that did have all of that? No. Jordan Jesse Go. And it's free. Jordan, Jordan Jesse, Jesse Go? Go? Jordan Jesse Go. Jordan Jesse Go. A real podcast. Well, I'm going to segue into the final portion of, uh, I think I said portion. It's kind of sound like I put an extra W and there aren't any W's in portion. So that's one too many. The portion uh, of the podcast where we do create a little world of our own that's tailored to your likings. So I'm going to play this mash game with you, Mansion Apartment, Shack House. Um, very mature game, very mature game in which, uh, have you ever played it or do you know it? No. Okay. It's, uh, it's, it's, um, it's a situation in which I'm going to ask you for three choices. Uh, you're just going to have to respond to my questions of these categories. I'm going to go like, you know, give me three things you'd like to blank. And then at the end, we're going to do this whole process of elimination and you will have this 100% guaranteed alternate universe slash fictional mm. life slash future i like it so and mansion apartment shack and house one of those things is what you'll end up with and that's why it's called mash so for the first category i would like you to give me uh this is age gender race all of that stuff just sort of disappears into the ether for this production this wonderful production that you are going to get to be in of a play uh doing a role that you love or would love to take on um that you know don't it's not even going to be like and you're going to be doing eight shows a week honey so you're going to be tired as hell this is like the best part about performing in theater even if it's just like a one-off um three plays (laughs) and their and the and the respective roles that you would like to take on with zero limitations one is uh, I've always wanted to play Walter Lee Younger in the play A Raisin in the Sun great. by Lorraine Hansberry. It's one of the great, one of the great parts, one of the great roles, one of the great plays. Um, then I would also love to play, uh, I'd love to play Brutus in Julius Caesar. Great. Uh, honestly, I'd love to do Brutus and Cassius like a kind of a Philip Seymour Hoffman, uh, John C. Riley doing True West, where whoever's playing Cassius, we switch roles every week. Oh, sure. That's, what, that's, that's what's going to happen in that Julius Caesar. Love it. Um, and then the third play, hmm, that's an interesting-ass play. There's so many weird, interesting plays. Um, I just, I am a big fan of weird stuff. So let's go with, I already mentioned it, waiting for Godot, waiting for Gal Gadot. Uh-huh. Um, and I will play, uh, I always forget, I think I for, there's one high energy and one's low energy. Either of those roles, again, like a John C. Riley. A flip-flop. And, yeah, yeah I'll give like you the flip-flop. DD and, DD and Go-Go. Yeah, DD and Go-Go. Those are the two roles. Okay. Um, so those are, those are okay answers? Yes, those are beautiful answers, my question. friend. Beautiful answers. Yeah, uh, next yeah. category, three places in this world that you, whether you've been there or not, uh, the idea of maybe having a, a little getaway place um, appeals to you. 
and we're going to pretend like we can just sort of teleport you there. So travel is not an issue. Um, that currently exists right now. Yes. Well, and I'm interested to say, I'm, I'm, I'm going to say not necessarily because now I'm interested to know what that might open up for you. Of places of all history? Sure. Perhaps we should. Perhaps we shouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> well, watch this out because I'm probably going to lob a time travel question at you if we don't do it here. So, um, okay. So no time travel. Let's let's take Great. a time travel out. One at a time. Love it. We only, we only have so many oh, so much time. Um, okay, places I would three places I would like to go in the and world. We're gonna give you it's gonna be now, like your little getaway home. This is gonna be where your mansion, apartment, shack, or house ultimately is. Yeah, and I'm also going to ignore the current political uh, <laughs> the current political climate of any place in the yes, world. Yes indeed. Sounds good. Uh, just just the place I think is interesting, regardless of the politics. Makes sense. Um, well, one, I'm very, and hopefully I will do this, I'm very, very, I've become more and more curious about Ghana, the country of mm-hmm. Ghana. And there's a city, Accra, which is the capital, I think the biggest city. Seems like a really interesting place. And it would be interesting to have a getaway home there. Then I also... I love like green, lush sort of forest mm-hmm. kind of places as well. Because um, Ghana, like Accra is kind of like a really cool, I hear it compared to places like Prague or Berlin. Oh, nice. You know, yeah. um, where it's like, it's a really progressive urban you know, city and people have an interesting style and the architecture is supposed to be, it's just a really cool city. Awesome. Um, but in terms of like places that are outside of a city, mm-hmm. I, I was, I was like that kind of like woodsy, yep. foresty, yep. mountain cliffy, mm-hmm. lush green. Mm. And I always think of p- places like the, I, I always think of like places like Ireland. Yep. Um, and I guess that there's places in Canada that have the same feel, like Newfoundland mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Although, although I hear that stuff is really cold. Not, not but, you can you don't have to be there that time of year. That's true. Also, Vancouver Island. Whoa, yeah. if you've never been there, man, this is some beautiful stuff. Yeah. I, I, and then I've heard New Zealand again. Yeah. All these lush green kind of places. But for this one, I think I'm gonna go with. I think I'll I'll go with like Ireland. Okay. Great. Somewhere, somewhere green, lush. Great. That's a little off the beaten path in Ireland. In Ireland. In Ireland. Great. In Ireland. That's the worst <laughs> accent I've ever done. So one more place, right? Yeah. Okay. So I've talked about a city. I've talked about a forest, and then I think there's something to. Um, I'm really, I'm really curious about. Well, I'm really fascinated by like places like in the Middle East. Mm-hmm. Um, like well, the Mediterranean, I guess all that stuff is really beautiful to me, and I'm curious about the long histories of cultures. Yeah, like Ira- Iran, Iraq, Turkey, Syria, you know, stuff like that. But like, right, obviously, you know, things aren't the best <laughs> in <laughs> a lot of those places. Um, but we said we would remove all of that. So yes, I know. Well, those places are very fascinating and, and beautiful to me. Yeah. Um. But I think I would want to be somewhere that's a little, maybe like more like jungle meets beach. 
And I think that that's like somewhere that's like in South America. Okay. Wow. What do you really, what a misdirect. I really felt like we were going towards something. And then you did a very quick 180, not a 180, but you did like a little, little swift swerve. Well, those, those, those places like, again, like when I'm even talking about like, I'm talking about like Greece and Turkey and those places that actually yeah. have coastline to the Mediterranean yep, Sea. Yep, yep, yep. You know, even even northern Africa, like, you know, Morocco and all that stuff. Oh, listen, I'm not but judging like, you. I enjoyed I enjoyed the surprise shift or, over to South or America. Spain. Yes, yes. But I would I would want to find a place like that in South America. I'm not really familiar enough with South America to to say what I think is a place that's like that. But so I you know what? I'm gonna stick with Oh boy. <laughs> The Mediterranean, and let's just say, yeah, uh, someplace in Turkey. Great. On the beach. Great. Okay, <laughs> this is, I've never done this category before. It is being created on the spot expressly for you. There's probably mm-hmm. something deeply wrong with this category, uh, so I'm I apologize scared. in advance. But because you did that horrible Irish accent, which I loved, um, oh. I am going to gift you <laughs> with... Not a language that you speak, but when you speak English, what other accent that isn't the one you have would you would you like to have three accents that that you would speak with when you're just speaking English to people? Fascinating. Um, well, I do like the British accent. Okay. Um, and I like all the variations of the British accent. Um, you know, we talk about Peaky Blinders. Yeah. Um, but I also love like how somebody like Idris Elba talks. Yep. I watched a, I watched a little of that show. I may destroy you. The the new Mikhail Michaela. Cole I'm so show. excited to watch that show. I hear such amazing things. It's I'm not going to talk to you about it. Okay. I mean, you already <laughs> basically I'll, I'll, ruined the I'll entirety of Peaky Blinders for me by telling me that was I'm the Peaky new Blinders. Their game. I'm so sorry. <laughs> so I do like that British. kind of like. Oi! Why are you sighing to me? Yeah. <laughs> yep. I might. Oh, you fight guyish, kind of thing. <laughs> Great, that's number one. What's the having a laugh? The having a laugh, mate. Uh... Um, so this is actor Lenny James again. He was on Walking Dead. Another British guy who has got an interesting voice. Mm-hmm. Um, what? Well, okay, so that's the first accent, right? Yeah. Great. Um, so speaking English with an accent. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, it doesn't I have to be think... an English speaker. You know what I'm saying? But like, if you like the way you know a French person speaks English, like you know, what I mean, it could be. Yeah, I like the I like that British accent, but like yeah. the like a kind of a London, rougher neighborhood yep. sort of London accent. Um, then I then I think there's something I think is really cool about the. Uh, the Brazilian accent mm-hmm. when one is speaking English because mm-hmm. it sounds like a little French Canadian and a little French and a little it sounds like a bunch of different things to me and I cannot nail it I feel the um, same I agree with you and I feel the same way about Israeli accents when people like oh yeah I yeah, often yeah. think people who are Israeli are actually French there's like something there that I totally miss here no no i i get that i think there's a lot of relations between those two countries too yeah. like i feel like i know i know a lot of israeli people that lived in france for a really long time and a lot and i knew a lot. and, I, and I, mean, I mean like three <laughs> but in the ratio of people you know who uh are either israeli or french that's probably like a, in a higher number for you 
um I yeah and i was gonna I say i i there's a lot of portuguese uh in in france also like there's there, there's oh, a yes. big it's a romance language yeah. uh okay great so british brazilian what's your third oh a third one jeez um let's go with <laughs> oh i do love a southern accent too okay great american southern accent but also like not the kind that you would expect Ugh, I, I don't even know what kind of southern accent I'm thinking about, but like I do like the southern accent. Okay, too. I'm gonna. I'll keep it. I used to have. I used to have a southern accent a little bit. You used to have one from living in Las Vegas. No, no, before I was in Vegas. <laughs> <gasps> what a twist! I don't have time for this twist. Uh, <laughs> what a terrible host. Next category. <laughs> next category. The next category is three foods that in this reality you, for one reason or another, you, you know, you can't have a ton of it. Either it's fattening or it's maybe like you're killing animals that you don't want to kill. Um, it, or it's something that you've had, but that you can't get readily in, you know, in the place that you live now. Uh, three things that we're going to hand over to you that you can have in perpetuity with zero ramifications. Wow. Uh, steak. Um, specifically, specifically like prime rib by cooked by a master griller all the time. Master griller. Sushi. Yep. Big sushi fan. Uh, fish, raw fish is tricky in general. Indeed. But if there's no ramifications, nummy, 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 nummy. Indeed. Uh, and lastly, but definitely not least. Mm -hmm cannolis oh wonderful okay great this uh, next category is three people with whom you would like to have sexy to romantic times with or a long-term companionship with in this alternate universe it can be a character from a book a movie a tv character a comic book character um it, the sky's the limit living wow. or dead it's it's a wide open three I love that you said sexy, sexy romantic times. Yeah, I'm not sure. <laughs> so, I'm not sure where that comes from inside of me, but it's not good. I think it's the it's the sex ed teacher having to awkwardly tell this <laughs> to tweens inside of that's you. It's right. like uh, sometimes sexy romantic mm, times right. when you mm, when you like someone, yeah. and everyone has said yes. yes. Uh, sexy romantic times can happen, right. kids. Um, three people I like to have sexy romantic times with. Mm, interesting. It, they could be people from fiction yes. as well. Mm -hmm. Interesting. There's, there. I have a major crush on this actress. Her name's Indira Varma. Oh, I also have a crush on her. Um, uh, ever well, since, did you see ever since this way up, Ashling B's new show. Uh, uh no, uh, no. Oh, you gotta watch but that. I, oh, you gotta watch I, that. Speaking of Irish accents, I got to watch it, and I always love her. And she was in this movie called Kama Sutra a long time ago. Well, that's that was kind of the movie that uh, made her. See, yeah, yeah. Uh, she's she's a very attractive woman. Yes, and seems to. I hate to say that. You know, like a fine wine gets better with age. It's such a but weird thing to but say. It is true. Um, yes, it is true. Um, then who else? Wow, sexy times. <laughs> Thank you for making me have to hear rogue. my own words back to me <laughs> to be ashamed yes, of. Yes, rogue from X Men, not Anna Paquin's version. Uh, rogue from X Men on a day where her powers of drainage do not work. Great. I love where she the gets a she gets a she gets a free pass yeah. and she gonna tear up that ass. That's right. 
That's right. Because Rogue would go Rogue. Yes. Am I right? I couldn't agree more. She doesn't get to do this. So I would love to be uh, a <laughs> guinea pig for that. Great. Um, and when I say Rogue, I mean um, the depiction of Rogue from the 90, uh, early 90s Fox uh, cartoon series. I don't know if it was on Fox where you grew up or anyone else grew up, but the X-Men cartoon from the 90s. Great. Uh, let, me th- <laughs> let me think. But a real version, which kind of, I guess, looks a little bit more like Julianne Moore in my head than I think I want to admit. Okay. Um, then who else? Who else? Sexy times from history. <gasps> Josephine Baker. <gasps> Wonderful. I think that's it. Okay, great. Uh, that leads me into our time travel question. Three places in time, uh, place and time that you would like to either, you know, be. you're going to be in like a safety bubble if, uh, if, if one is needed, but you can either mm-hmm. sort of bear witness to something, you know, solve a mystery or just, you know, mm. get, get that era and place all over you. Three. Harlem Renaissance um, is one of my favorite eras. I always kind of have this my dumb little spiritualist version of myself. I'm like, whatever, whatever era you were obsessed with, you were probably there, bro. Yeah, bro. I love it. So Harlem Renaissance, um, I would love to, I would have loved to have seen like Duke Ellington play for real. Oh yeah. Um, Jazz greats, you know, uh, play for real to be able to walk into a place where people like Langston Hughes and, you know, Zorian Hurston and, you know, Louis Armstrong hanging out. Um, then I, I I am strangely very much into Victorian England. Great. Let's and, get some creepy uh, dolls and some creepy bassinets for you straight away. Well, I would be very curious to, I would love to solve who Jack was. I was, was hoping you'd say that. I would love to find out that it was the queen the entire time. <laughs> Wonderful. Um, who has a really sick uh, fetish for watching people be dismembered. This is just uh, historical fiction I made up right now. Mm. I love it. And I just want to remind people that in the not amazing movie from hell about Jack the Ripper, I do believe that Jack the Ripper turned out to be none other than the narrator of the woman in white. (laughs) Oh, good God. That was the Hughes brothers, wasn't it? I'm not sure. It's like a, a comic book, Johnny Depp. That's all I remember. I never saw it. Um, good place for a musical too. Um, oh, yeah. oh, they did that Jekyll and Hyde, right? Gross. Um, <laughs> so okay, so Victorian England, and then where else would I like to be? Um, I am really curious about um what it would have been like to live in China after the fall of, I guess the the empires. I'm still learning about Chinese history, but it seems like there was a very long period where the triads who are, you know, have, were have essentially like royalty. Yeah. Like some of these, there are certain quote unquote criminal organizations that have been around longer than governments. Yeah, for sure. And so, and this is a period in Chinese history where the, the, um, the, what's the word I'm looking for? The, the, the consolation of power yeah. under those gangs started where those gangs were kind of born out of gangs i don't even know if i can call them gangs i say organizations yeah i'd be interested to to witness what it would be like to live in china at that time it seems like a horrifying time yeah let's as check horrifying it out. as victoria let's England. check it out um, 
I'm yeah, all so for I, it. I, but I, I'm safe the entire time. V, so you're totally cool. safe. Exactly. This is the time. Okay. Uh, the second to last category, you are, uh, for as long as I've known you, and it's been many, many years, you have, you cut a wonderful jib. Uh, you always look <laughs> fantastic. You wear clothing very well. I am going to give you the opportunity to take any style from any era, time, place, country, anything can include, again, like comic book characters, but three styles that we're going to give you the ability to rock. Um, all of them are totally comfortable. It's all the same, no matter what it looks like on the outside. And uh, no one is going to think it's preposterous. It's just like all you. Oh, that's dope. Well, first of all, thank you for the compliment, Janet. I appreciate My that. sincere pleasure. Uh, I've never first, I've never sounded less sincere, but yet been utterly uh, yeah. sincere. <laughs> first, I think I'm going to have to go with um, an entire uh, home full of whatever anyone was wearing in the film black panther uh every, all of it is mine forever and ever amen wait what uh, movie just black panther oh black panther oh god yeah absolutely I, but not but not necessarily the black panther outfit but like what t'challa looked oh, yeah. like when he was just strolling oh, around yeah. the palace the makeup and the and, makeup and, and wardrobe yes. and hair for that movie I, I I think I, I my hope is that people will be talking about that for years and years and years to come it was so special well, I think they will, and a lot of it has to do with a woman named Ruth E. Carter, who I believe won an Oscar, and she has also designed a lot of my favorite movies, including Meteor Man. Oh. Uh, and a lot of Spike Lee's early stuff. There you go. From, there you go. Yeah, exactly. Um, then I really think there's something kind of dope about uh, Restoration uh, England like the freaking long petticoat and the buckled shoes yeah. and the giant powdered wig. Really, really, yeah. Great. Painted in, you walk with a cane yeah. and you say things like, yes, madam, might I have a spot of tear? Yeah. Stuff like that. And you are, and, and to be as effeminate as possible is part of the thing. Love it. That's, that's a pretty dope look. Um, so combine that with Afrofuturism, and that's 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 how you'll see me dressing when this <laughs> pandemic fantastic. is over. Uh, and then lastly, definitely not lastly, uh, kilts for days. No, not really. Um, <laughs> I would like to wear like um, I guess uh, it's not really an outfit though, but it would be like basically like mech, like a mech, like oh <laughs> wear, okay. Like, like a robot suit yeah. that is just like maybe even the Iron Man suit. Yeah. That would probably be Great. you know, the tongue Tony Stark the mark you know, whatever mark of Iron Man is the best for yeah. me. Uh just being able to go kiss, 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 and, and turn that Absolutely. On. That's completely great. I love it. Uh okay, final category f- for you. I'm going to shout out uh, your sci-fi show, which I had the pleasure of doing, uh, The Great Debate, and and for the sci-fi fans, say three sci-fi worlds that we're going to allow you to pop into, and it can, you know, that can that can mean like Battlestar Galactica, the show, it, but mm. it can also mean you know Arthur C. Clarke's book, two thousand one, like whatever you want. Three <laughs> uh, three sci-fi universes that you can jump into. Ooh. Three science fiction universes. Um, well, both Battlestar and The Expanse are shows that I love, but those would be horrifying universes to actually have to exist in. I'm afraid you may be uh, But 
I think there's something interesting. I think the Star Wars universe is infinitely fascinating. Right. Um, I so I would love Star to be in a Star Wars universe, but somewhere safe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a lot of people are getting killed yeah. in that that in that universe. Not you though. Um, not me. Not me. Um, then who? Another sci-fi universe. Um. I think there's something very interesting about the world of Judge Dredd. Mm-hmm. It's like almost in my brain, it's like Akira and Judge Dredd and Ghost in the Shell yep. mixed mixed together into like a you know like a weird future mega city right. kind of feel. I get it. Or a little little Blade Runner, yeah. you know, <laughs> little bla- at the same time. Yeah. Um, I'm not no, I'm not gonna let you throw Blade Runner in there. I'm just getting into the ma- the mashup that we just talked about. Yeah. But okay, if you want to cool, pick Blade okay. Runner as your next one and final one, I'm just saying, you can. Mm, yeah. That's right. You're not going to. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then, um, oof, what's another interesting world to, to live in? Um, I guess the world of Galaxy Quest. I think oh, that's great. the... Uh, <laughs> no, Serenity. There it is. Uh, Firefly. Firefly, not is. Serenity. There it is. Okay. Great. Um, yeah, I'm excited to see your version of like the space swashbuckler smuggler as well. That's going to be a fun look for me to enjoy. Dang right. Um, okay, pick a number between one and five. Three. Okay. While I use that number to do the most rudimentary of maths, uh, mm-hmm. could you please tell people where they can find you, what they should be listening to, paying attention to, uh, paying attention to vis-a-vis you and your wonderful work? Well, my name is Baron, and I'm here to say here you can find my work in various ways. I'm on TV and the internet, too. All right, I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> yes, great debate. Thursdays on Sci-Fi. Uh, yes, we had the we had the inimitable Janet Varney on, and uh, we have a ton of great guests on having funny talks about dumb stuff. Then also, um, obviously, Grace and Frankie, which is out there on Netflix. Um, you can continue to enjoy as much of that as you want. Myself and my good friend, Open Mike Eagle, did a show called Call and Response, which is a, a community meeting. It's like, it's, like a, a, it's like a town hall with a bunch of interesting, smart people, and that can be found on both Funny or Die and Blavity. And then, um, I guess, oh, I have a horror film that I directed <laughs> that's on Shudder. It's called. It's in a. It's in an anthology film called Scare Package. Ooh, I didn't know about this. I'm writing it down right now. I'm gonna text it to oh, you. Oh, good. Okay, good. After <laughs> get off. Thank you. Okay, I have your results. What? Oh, I'm scared. Uh, I'm excited. We're all over the place with this. Just all over the place. Sometimes things like sort of align so that there's a there's a theme that emerges. I'm excited at the mm. lack of a theme, but maybe you'll find a mm. theme where I didn't see one. Um. First of all, I want to congratulate you. I'm just going to I'm just going to roll out the really great news first. I want you to know that you can have as much cannoli uh, as there is as, as there are <laughs> stars in the sky. Just endless guilt-free cannoli for days. Uh so congratulations again on your cannoli. Um yeah. I want to further congratulate you on your uh, beautiful getaway home in Ghana. I guess in Aqua. Yeah. Uh, and that 
I think I, you got me very excited about wanting to go there. So I feel like this is a win for me as well. Um, I want to also congratulate you on your uh, ability to travel back to see the fall of the triad slash empire of uh, ancient China. The rise of the triad. I'm sorry, the rise of the, of the triads empire. and the fall of the empire. I turns out don't give myself very much room to write when I'm doing this game. <laughs> uh, I am very excited about first of all the the fact that you're going to be able to fly everywhere if you want to because you have this mech suit um, yeah. is very yeah. exciting indeed. So I'm presumably you're going to be taking that to to the the house in Ghana to um, whatever the wherever you go to feast on cannoli. Um, you are going to be doing an phenomenal job in a production of Raisin in the Sun as young Walter. <laughs> you may also jump into the world of Firefly at will. Mm. Uh, so a lot of humor and adventure uh, there that I'm excited about for you. Um, you, <laughs> you have a beautiful, when you want to use it, American Southern accent, whatever that comes to mean to you. <laughs> and you have a relationship with the stunning and brilliant Josephine Baker. Ooh. ooh. That's a lot going on, right? This, I mean, that's just all is, over the place. You know what I mean? Like, because if you had gotten. Wonderful world. Yeah, because if you had gotten, like, the place in Ireland and the British accent and the Victorian Empire, or, you know, the Victorian England uh, visit with, uh, like, restorationing, like, you could, we could have gotten everything kind of pigeonholed into one sort of theme. And I like that this is just every, true. everywhere. It's everywhere. I'm all over the place. Yeah. That's why, I'm, that's why, the, that's why my, the Netflix algorithm cannot that's figure right. me out. That's they're right. constantly what do you like and, you know most yeah. of the time it's like who are you, you? This, they're like who are yeah. you <laughs> i think that's a tremendous compliment i think that's a tremendous <laughs> compliment to you uh i have enjoyed our talk so much the as of last yes, the last and least the last but yes least thing we do uh on the podcast when it is summer is uh, I invite you to spontaneously sing, if you know it and can think of any part of it, Don Henley's Boys of Summer, or any other snippet of a song that s speaks summer to you in some way. I can't even do it. She's scatting it. That's that's how it sounds in my head. I think, believe it or not, you really elevated that song. Uh, I'm extremely pleased. I'm extremely pleased. I'm literally going to blast it the moment I get please, off. The, please, please do. Off, please get do. off with you. Uh, I have loved this. Thank you so much for doing the podcast, my friend Baron Vaughn. Yes. And everybody check out all the uh, various and sundry wonderful things that you can uh, enjoy of Baron's. And I will talk to you next time on the podcast. show is recorded by me and edited by julian burrell and as always the jv club theme song is back before we were brittle by the amazing say hi hey,
MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned, audience supported.